Welcome to the July 19th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and the sermon is entitled, The Decision for a Second Birth, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We are going to continue on in a sermon series through the Gospel of John. I want you to take your Bible and open it with me. If you're streaming with us today, if you're in the parking lot today, in this sanctuary today, open that Bible. We are going to begin in the Gospel of John chapter 3 today. We are continuing on in a journey through this gospel, the eyewitness account of the life of Jesus Christ, the biography that is written by the disciple John, one of the men who was most closely associated with Jesus. He was one of the top three of the disciples. Uh, James, John, and also Peter were the three top disciples. They were the ones who kind of provided the leadership, it seemed, for the discipling group. And so this man knew Jesus in his walk with him. John, the gospel writer, however, is so humble as he writes this gospel, he never mentions his name. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, And I'm so thankful for the humility of John as he writes this gospel. Uh, John wrote this account of the gospel, which of course means good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ that we give to the world. When we live the gospel in the world, we're living the good news of Jesus. Therefore, our face should show that to the world. Amen? We're living something that is good news. And our attitude and our face should show that as we walk out into the world. But John wrote this gospel some 50 years after he had walked with Jesus, 50 years after he had heard him preach, 50 years after he'd seen the miracles, 50 years after he saw Jesus raise Lazarus and Jairus' daughter from the dead, 50 years later, John is led by God to put his experience on papyrus, on paper, to pass it on down the generations that would be coming. This is John's witnessing, witnessing tool written to the world to bring the world to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us that in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. By the end of this sermon, uh, this sermon series, you're going to memorize that little passage because this is a witnessing tool that is meant by the gospel writer to bring the world to faith in Jesus Christ as he has faith. So today, we come to one of the most famous conversations that Jesus held with anyone in his public ministry. He meets with a man whose name is Nicodemus. And while this conversation spans John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, there is no way that I can contain those 21 verses in the little box of a sermon that's 30 minutes long. It cannot be done. So I'm going to break this Uh, passage of scripture into two parts two sermons because there's just too much truth in this conversation to be able to cover in one sermon so turn your bible to john chapter 3 and today we are going to study verses 1 through 11 as jesus speaks to nicodemus so i want you to hear these words this very famous conversation and of course we know from this conversation comes one of the most famous Bible verses that the world knows. We're not going to get to it today. We get to it next week. But listen to these words, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, 
We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that which we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. May God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of his blessed, inerrant, perfect word. Before we get to the conversation between these two men, of Jesus and Nicodemus, I want us to get familiar with this man who comes to the Lord I think if we know his background, we're going to know a lot more about his conversation that comes with Jesus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a ruler, a highly respected man who was a leader amongst the Jewish population in the city of Jerusalem. He was a doctor of the Bible, the Old Testament as we know it. Nicodemus was well-trained in the Word of God. Nicodemus knew every page of the Word of God. He knew every word that was in the Word of God. He knew every page through and through. And as a full-blooded Jew, he knew all about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's renamed being Israel and the sons of Israel. He knew about the Israelites being captive in Egypt. He knew about Moses leading them out of slavery through the Exodus. He knows about the wilderness wanderings. He knows about the history of the Jews, their captivities, their trials that they endured over the years. He knew the words of the Psalms. He knew the words of the Proverbs. He knew the messages of all the prophets that we see in the Old Testament. And he actively taught this Word of God to the people. He was a teacher of the people of God at the temple. But notice this, really. He was not just a teacher. Look at verse uh, 10 once again. Uh, Verse 10 of chapter 3. This is what his description is in verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Nicodemus was not just a teacher. Nicodemus was the teacher. Nicodemus was the master of the Word of God as he taught it to the people of Israel. Now, let's remove a prejudice from Nicodemus before I move on into this sermon. In so many places in the New Testament, you know that 
that uh, Pharisees are painted in a negative light. They are painted uh, as fakes and as phonies. They are called hypocrites and doubters and shallow and lazy. They are called murmurers and whitewashed tombs. That's a terrible name. A tomb that's dead on the inside looks good on the outside. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Fools, blind guides, snakes. <laughs> that's not a very good list of names, is it? But we immediately have a negative slant. When you hear the word Pharisee, that someone is a Pharisee, and we think about all these names and all these descriptions of these men who are fakes and phonies, Nicodemus was different. He was not painted with that brush. He was not one of those guys. He was a sincere and a good man. And he had a quest for the truth, knowing the truth of God. He had a high moral character, and very importantly, he had a hunger to know the depth of the Word of God. Now, Scripture says that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Some commentators, some theologians say that the reason that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night was because he was the master teacher of Israel, and he did not want, to see all, he did not want all the others of Israel to see the master teacher going to sit at the feet of another teacher. Maybe that was the case. Another commentator says the reason that Nicodemus went to Jesus by night was because he was such a busy man and throngs of people surrounded him all day long that the only time he could break free in any privacy whatsoever was to go after hours and to see Jesus at night when he was by himself. He was surrounded with people all day. Maybe there's truth in that. But I believe that there is a deep symbolism in Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night after dark. He was a good man. He was an upstanding man. He was a teacher of the Word. But he still, even though he knew the Bible, even though he held the Bible in his hands every day, he was living in spiritual darkness. He didn't know the truth that the center of the Word of God leads us to a Savior. And all of the prophets and all of the words of the Old Testament, all of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, which Nicodemus knew well, was pointing to a Messiah and pointing to a Savior. And though he held the Bible in his hand and taught it every day, he did not know the truth of the Savior yet. So he came to Jesus by night symbolically, John is telling us he's a lost man. Even though he's a biblical man, he's still in spiritual darkness. He doesn't know the Savior. So the conversation begins. John chapter 3, verse 2, Nicodemus approaches Jesus and calls him rabbi and calls him master. That's what most people in Israel called him. When they came to the temple to be taught the Word of God, his title, Nicodemus' title, was Rabbi, Master, Teach Us the Truth. And yet he is deferring to Jesus and refers to him as the Master and refers to him as the Rabbi. So as this conversation begins, we see that Nicodemus is coming knowing that this man can tell him the truth. And he says, I have seen and I have heard about your miracles. You're not only a man of God. But I believe as I come to you that you are the man 
from God. And I need to know what you must teach me. I want to sit in your presence and I want to hear the truth that you need to teach me. And the first thing that Jesus says to him is this. Look at verse 3, John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to remember, write this down. Verily, verily is an important flag in your Bible. It's a flag statement. It's a key term. Literally, it's translated, amen, amen. And Jesus uses that phrase to say, what I'm going to tell you, what follows verily, verily, is extremely important. So the reason I'm telling you to put that in your mind and to put it in your notes as a red flag is to say any time through the Gospels that you see Jesus say verily, verily, you need to circle whatever he says. Because he is saying, this is extremely important. You need to know this. So in John's gospel, Jesus uses this phrase, verily, verily, 25 times. So maybe one of your devotional moments can be spend a few days looking up all the verily, verilies just in the gospel of John. 25 times he gives you statements you need to know. So in this extremely important statement, Jesus says to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, immediately we see the darkness in this brilliant man's mind. He doesn't get it. When Jesus says you need to be born again, it just the light does not come on. Nicodemus says, well, what do you mean? What do you mean, be born again? Does that mean that once we're old, we re-enter our mother's womb physically and we're born again? I just don't get at all, Jesus, what you're saying to me. And in John 3, 5 and 6, here's another set of verily, verilies. Jesus says, again, this is crucial and you need to hear this. So look at verses 5 and 6. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit... He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you notice in verse 6, he's balancing flesh and spirit here. And so this is what I believe that Jesus is saying to him. To be born of water is physical birth. Every baby is surrounded by a coating of water in the mother's womb. Every human being has experienced that birth from the womb, first birth. Nobody has ever been hatched, right? Everybody has been born from the mother's womb. We all have a common first birth. Not one of us decided to be born. Every one of us was given physical life, biological life as a gift. It's a gift of God. Psalm 139 teaches us that God knits the baby together in the mother's womb. You and I did not make application to be born. We did not request to be born. It was a gift of God given to us through biological parents. Praise God for our biological parents that gave us life. But it was a gift of God. He knit us together in the mother's womb. Biological life comes to every person. No decision. But spiritual life and eternal life comes by a decision. 
in accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, inviting him to come and live in us and change us. We don't just turn over a new leaf when the Savior moves into our heart. Scripture teaches us that we become a whole new creation. We're recreated by the Lord God when he moves into our life and into our heart. We take on a whole new reason for being. We are to cast aside selfishness and thinking only about ourselves to thinking how we are to live selflessly to honor our Savior. He changes us from the inside out. He changes our purpose. He changes the reason that we believe we have life. And it's all based on a decision. You know, God is a gentleman. Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He does not kick down the door of anybody's heart and and force his way in. He goes to the cross and he dies for us and he rises from the grave so that we might have everlasting life. And he said, you are invited to come. But it is your decision. It is your decision to be born again. That's the second birth. While it is based on a decision, it is still a pure gift. There's nothing that we did to earn it. We were not good enough to receive it. We don't have enough money to pay for it. We can't sit on a pew long enough to earn it. It is an absolute free gift. When we ask Jesus to save us and to move into our life, it is a gift that he gives to us, and that's a second birth that makes us a child, a son or a daughter of God. I want you to think about the connections between the birth process of physical birth and spiritual birth. Three points I want to make to you, thinking about the comparison of those two things. First, of course, mothers go through a great deal of pain in the first birth. And I'm sure moms here, you could all attest to that. But I want you to remember this as well. The second birth also came from great pain. The pain of a Savior who was literally nailed to a cross, shedding his blood, laying down his life in death that we might be born again. First birth came through pain. Second birth came through pain. The pain of a Savior on a cross. We think about that, and we should be absolutely thanking God for what he has given to us. Secondly, in physical birth, we inherit the likeness of our parents. All of us look somewhat like our parents look because we're biologically a part of them. You know, every time I see my thumbs, I see my dad. His thumbs were twice as big as mine, but mine are shaped just like his. He worked all of his life. And his hands were built up, but I still see my dad biologically when I look at my thumbs. In spiritual birth, we are to inherit the likeness of our Heavenly Father. So when you are born of the Spirit, when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, the remainder of our life, we are to be sanctified to look more like Him every day. Amen? It's not, being born again is not a once and done, okay, I bought my ticket to heaven, I'm just going to sit down and wait for the wagon to come. But rather being born again means that we are going to walk like and talk like and be like and live like the Word so that we can look like and be like our Savior. That's sanctification and we grow in that every day. We'll never 
reach the end of that trail if you live to be 120. But every day, we should be more like him than we were yesterday. We should be more like him tomorrow than we were today. It's growing to look like and be like and speak like him. We are to see the evidence that he lives in us. Just as I see the evidence here of my father, my prayer is that the world can see the evidence of Jesus living in me as I walk out there into the world. And that's true for every single one of us who claims Jesus for the second birth. We are to look like our Savior. The first birth makes us look like our fallible parents. The second birth leads us to look like our perfect Savior. Third point of the physical birth versus the spiritual birth. In the first birth, you have a hunger for milk, and that builds on to solid food. In the second birth, we are to have a hunger for the Word of God. You know, when a six-year-old comes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, that young person understands what sin is. I, I make sure when I sit down with a young person that he or she understands the concept of sin. You can't accept a Savior till you know you're a sinner. You have to know you need to be forgiven. So... I make sure that that youngster understands that he or she is a person of sin. They've done things wrong. They've been away from God in their wrongness and in their sin. And once they express to me that they understand the concept of sin, then we get into why do you need to be forgiven and then how are you forgiven? That's the milk of the word. The, the absolute basic of what this word teaches us is that all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. And in such a state and in such a life, the wages of our sin will be death, will be hell, separation eternally from God. But there's a free gift of God that he wants to give us that came by way of the cross and the empty tomb. And anyone who will receive him and accept him as Lord and Savior will be freed of that life and forgiven of that life of sin and given eternal life as a child of God. That's the milk of the word. And then as we mature through that, then we learn the meat of the word. And we've had lots of sermons on the meat of the word uh, in days past. But we are to grow up with that spiritual food. We're not just satisfied with the milk of the Word. We want to get on deeper into the Word. That's why the Bible is so important to your life. And for you to study it, to understand it, to read it. If you read just 10 verses a day, read something that God can implant His Word in your heart and in your mind. It's so important that we feed on the Word as our spiritual food. We need it. Well, it seems as Jesus describes the second birth of Nicodemus, this master teacher of Israel is just blown away. He is amazed. He doesn't have words. He's just surprised by all that he's hearing. Look at verse 7, John 3, 7. Jesus says to him, marvel not. That tells us what's happening with Nicodemus here. He's so surprised. Jesus said, don't be that surprised. Marvel not. That I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Marvel is the Greek word thalma, T-H-A-U-M-A, if you want to spell that out. Thalma, marvel, and it means to gaze or to look at something with absolute wonder. You almost can't get your mind around it. 
And so Jesus says, Nicodemus, the second birth is a practical need for every single person in the world. Every person needs the second birth. Every person has been given the first birth, but every person needs the second birth. Being born a Jew or being born a good person, being born into a great family, whatever it might be, that's a wonderful gift that we're given, but it's not being born the second time. No one can be born saved out of the first birth. I will tell you, I've, I've said this to the congregation before, but if you're new, you've got to say it again. Years ago, there was a car that was in Amherst. I haven't seen it for a long time now, but it had a bumper sticker on it. And it said, I was born good the first time. Now, for the, the common person, maybe people looked at that bumper sticker and thought, what does that mean? I was born good the first time. What does that mean? If you're a believer, you know exactly what it means. I don't believe in the second birth. I was born good the first time. I don't need Jesus. But Jesus says to Nicodemus, every person needs me. And every person needs the second birth. No, you were not born sinless the first time. Every person needs forgiveness If you have never experienced the second birth, if you're here in this sanctuary, you're streaming with us today, if you've never experienced this second birth, I can tell you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with, with every ounce that's in me, you need to be born again. You need the second birth. As Jesus describes this, you're standing on the edge of heaven and hell right now. And the invitation to heaven is given to you freely. And he wants you to have it. He wants you to be born again. But he cannot make you do that. He can't break down the door of your heart. You have to ask him. But I can promise you on the very word of God, this is not my promise, this is Jesus' promise. If you truly come to him in repentance, saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin, and I truly want you as my Savior. I believe what you did for me on the cross. I believe that you rose from a grave that I might have eternal life. I believe that. If you believe that with all of your heart, you will be saved today, right now. You will be given eternal life right now, this moment, if you will come to him saying, I believe. If you're not sure, you know that a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people over the, over the time past who've said, I've been to church, I, I, I went to the altar, I think I'm saved. I don't like that response at all. <laughs> There's no such thing as thinking you're saved. If you're saved, you know you're saved. I know I'm saved. Do you know you're saved? If you just think you're saved, let's get it right today. You come. Put your heart in Jesus' hands. Put your life in Jesus' hands. In true belief and faith, repentance for sin, and accepting Him as Savior, do it today so that when you leave here, you're not thinking you're saved. You know you're saved today. Well, as this conversation goes on, and I'm getting close to the, the end of it for today, but as Jesus and Nicodemus are talking in the night air here, a breeze stirs, I believe. It doesn't say that really in Scripture. This is my conjecture, but I believe that a breeze stirs here. Maybe Jesus sent the wind that very moment. If he could calm the sea in a terrible tempest and make it as level as a tabletop, I think he could stir a breeze, don't you? <laughs> but I believe a breeze stirs right here. 
And look how Jesus continues. Look at verse 8, John 3, 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus says, Nicodemus, you know that the wind stirs as it will, and you can't see it coming, and you can't see it going. You just know it's there. You feel it. You know the presence of it. Now, Jesus is playing here, I believe, on Nicodemus' thorough, deep, great knowledge of the Word of God. The word for wind is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma. It's the same word in both Hebrew and Greek that can be translated wind or spirit or breath. Same word, breath, wind, spirit. And so Jesus is prying now into Nicodemus' deep mind with his vast education in the Old Testament. Maybe Nicodemus thought of a verse that he knew very well. Just listen to it. Write the reference down. It's Job chapter 33, verse 4. This is probably the oldest book in your Bible, by the way. But Job 33, 4 says this. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Same word. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. So the Spirit or the wind of God has given us life, but the breath of God and the wind of God also gives us the second birth. I hope you see how Jesus is touching base with where Nicodemus is in his life as a great teacher. He's saying, just as the wind comes to stir leaves on a tree or to stir the waves on the Sea of Galilee, the breath of God stirs your heart to the second birth. You know, I used to love that old gospel hymn, Breathe on Me. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. The breath of God that changes a life. And Jesus is saying, do you understand, Nicodemus, what I'm saying to you? I'm giving you an invitation. I'm not just telling you something that you need to teach others. I'm asking you, will you come to me for that second birth? Don't turn the invitation away. Well, we'll continue on next week as this conversation continues. But maybe today the Word of God is stirring your heart. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, to bear the name of believer, you have to have had a second birth. You had to have come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But here's the question that I ask you. I know you're zipping up your Bibles and closing things, but don't, don't stop yet. Here's the question. You are a true born-again believer in the Lord and with the Lord. But are you where you need to be with Him? Is your walk with Him daily? Is your walk with Him close? Do you know Him as you should? Is your life in line with His will, with His plan, with His purpose for you? 
And nobody can answer that question but you. Not mama, daddy, spouse, or child, or whoever. Nobody can answer that question but you. Are you living the purpose that Jesus gave you life once he enacted your life in salvation? Are you where you need to be with him? If not, just come rededicate your life and say, Lord, I want to be on the path with you where you want me to be. Am I perfecting that? Absolutely not. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm with you here. But I want to be on the path with my Savior, and I want to be with him in his purpose for my life. So believers, maybe we just need to stop a minute and say, Lord, without your spirit in me, life would be so different. I wouldn't have a hope. I wouldn't have a purpose. I wouldn't have an eternity, a future. So Lord, help me not forget the main thing. The main thing of my life is not how much money I earn or how big the house is going to be or what new car I have my eye on or, or anything like that. My purpose is to be like you. My purpose is to walk like you. My purpose is to look like you. That is your purpose, believer. It's mine too. I pray that we'll grow in that. I pray that we will rededicate our life in that, that we will look like him. Maybe there's someone here today who's never given your heart to Jesus, never experienced the second birth yet. I can guarantee you right now, if you're, if you're at home and you're streaming today or you are watching this sermon somewhere down the road, podcast, whatever it might be, or you're right here in the sanctuary right this moment, I guarantee you this moment the Spirit of God is blowing on you. Years ago, I preached a revival in North Carolina at John Alford's church, and a woman came forward to be saved. I'll never forget this moment. And as she came and gave her heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, she asked John, may I say a word to the congregation? And John gave her permission to do so. And she said, as I stood there, and she said, I've stood in this church and I've sung the hymns and I've heard sermons for a long time. But she said, tonight was different because I felt a wind blow down my back. And that wind sent shivers all over me and I knew I wasn't right with Jesus. And I'm coming to make it right with Jesus tonight. And I believe that the breath of God blew down the neck of that lady. And she knew she had to come to him. Don't be ashamed to come back and say, Lord, help me be what I need to be as a believer. Or, Lord, I've never known you. I've, I've been in church a long time. I've done some good things, but I've never known you. Tonight, today, if you can say that, The Spirit of God is blowing right in here, right now. If you need Him, you come. As we come before Him, we know that His heart for us is that all of us are His sons or daughters. All of us. But it is a decision. And only you can make that decision for a second birth. If you need Him, you come. If you want to walk more closely to Him, you come. Church home, whatever the need, He meets us here. Let's pray together. Father, our God, thank You for this day. Lord, thank you for this word. This conversation with Nicodemus is one of the most famous conversations of all the Bible. And here's a man who was talented and biblically wise, well-studied, knew the word through and through, held the Bible every day, taught it to others, but he was a lost man. And he was struggling to understand the simplicity of the call to life and salvation 
and the second birth. I pray today, Lord, that for someone in this sanctuary or streaming or maybe a podcast later down the road that clarity has come. I need Jesus as my Savior. I was not born sinless the first time. I need a second birth. I pray that one will come, Lord. Just come to your feet. If they're here today, come to this altar and just say, Lord, I need you. For those of us who are believers, I pray, Father, myself included in this, that we'll come and say, Lord, as a child of God, born again, I want to look more like you every day. Help me, Father. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Church home, whatever the need, someone has a problem, we can pray about it. Father, just bless us in this moment of decision, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.